Welcome to the culture of you. Meaningful dialogue with me and my favorite people. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the culture of you. I am so excited for our guest today. My name is Karen Hewitt, and I'm your host. And I have with me the partner at Writ Large Projects, editor of Cultural Daily, podcast host for Are You There, Chi? Are You There, Ghost? It's me, Chi Wan. I love this. It's my favorite. Um, writer, proofreading, designing, publishing, author, author relations, event planning, live events, social media marketing, and also many other things that I haven't quite named here. But most importantly, my dear, dear friend, um, Tiwan has seen both of my books um, from beginning to end, edited them, helped me format them, and has just been a gift um, to me personally as an author and a poet and a writer. So I am more than happy to invite and welcome Tiwan Choi to the stage, to the virtual stage. What's up, friend? Karen, I love you. Good to see your face. <laughs> we could just like sit here in silence, but we won't. Um, <laughs> so how have you been? It's been a minute since we talked. We did record a while ago an episode. So yeah, that was like the last I mean, time we talked. Yeah. How have I been? Mm -hmm. um, just caught up in the pain and craziness of the world right now. Yeah, I definitely want to yeah, take a hard to even take time off from it mm. it's hard to even take tell force my brain to just remove itself from it for a bit because we're all tied up in it right and just to yeah. acknowledge what's going on the conflict in gaza i don't know when you're listening to this it is november of 2023 and what a what a time in our world what a what a time of reckoning of um liberation and and the resistance of oppression like it really yeah. it really is that time in our world it is pretty devastating i think to to watch um and and to try and figure out your own personal strategy around care as well as art and creativity you know we're supposed to mirror the times um yeah so how has that looked for you with your your art and your writing and how's your how's your self-care there? You know, it's it's interesting because um like after I finished my last poetry book, I was like, um, this is too emotionally draining. So I just want to take time off and write mm -hmm. a horror story because I love horror <laughs> movies and stuff. Uh it brought um I started writing this horror story about a serial killer and all these things it brought up all this shit with about my dad and oh no relationship with him about being an immigrant mm -hmm. i was like god damn it i thought this was, I thought this was gonna be fun <laughs> you're like oh there's always work <laughs> yeah so now i guess pretty much most of us i don't want to say everybody but we weren't prepared to witness a genocide in our lifetime. No, we weren't. So I, no matter how old we are, we're sort of learning on the fly how to be, how mm -hmm. to be in this world right now. So yeah. I'm on that same boat. I feel like the kid in many ways, like trying to figure out what's going on in the world and what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. 
And I think as as artists, there can be an expectation to to know what to do. And we're yeah. like, we all are are on this journey for the first time too. Like I never would have thought I would ever witness that. I've always I, I work in DEI, you know, and I yeah. I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> there's not a framework for this. <laughs> and like in case of genocide. <laughs> right. <laughs> like what and then I mean there's so many there's so much grappling there's so many questions and you know it it it's not great to be in this nation um mm-hmm. and and to be I don't know a casualty of the decisions of leadership um yeah. you're, I would you're, think you're yeah forced into this complicity that you didn't sign up for and then you have to come to grips with all that. And it's like, and it's like, it's an immigrant for me. It's like, what does it mean to move to this country? Like, I don't even, like, Ooh. I don't know what that implication is of that. It's like, is this what we wanted ultimately mm. to be part of the power of everything? So, I yeah. don't know. And it's an election year starting this month. It's the next 12 yes, months. It's yeah. an election year. it is um it is time but what i what i do know and what i find hope in is the the advocacy is the speaking out is the continued sharing and awareness and witnessing um that we can do as a community and what i can say for sure is that gen z alpha they're not going for it and like things that tactics that that like thought they were gonna work and like just be like oh yeah you know it's okay we'll do four hours of no no a peace yeah. fire, a ceasefire and people are like nope not going for it like that's not it like yeah. you literally have destroyed yeah over 50 yeah. percent of of gaza like what do you mean yeah um it's like i've literally spent four hours every night scrolling tiktok so four hours is nothing <laughs> Oh man, I can't do I can't do TikTok. I'd be on Instagram with the lives. I'll be on like Amanda yeah. Seals live or um, you know, watching uh who is that? I don't want to say the names wrong, Basan and like the reporters that are there, the journalists yeah. that are, are yeah. there right now. And whew, it is um and you do have to take some breaks, but like they don't get to. So it's like yeah. Mm. So it's like almost um, that brief moment of uh, levity each day is like, it's both like so important, but also I don't know what I'm supposed to feel about it. <laughs> like, is it okay that I just watched the stupid movie for two hours? Is it okay <laughs> that I went to sleep? Yeah. That and kind of food. Thing. It's really, yeah. it's really hard. It's really hard on the, the people connected. And I think artists are the most connected. So it's, it's definitely um, a really strange, horrific. And I think um, if there's anything, I think we, we realize there's more of us, you know, yeah. Um, there's more of us that are not, not going for oppression and the, and the language and the narratives that have been fed to us. Um, yeah. And we're, there there's a, a certain level of solidarity and unity that I am I'm given hope by to some degree. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So outside of, um, you know, existential dread, uh, (laughs) (laughs) tell me a little bit about the type of culture. I will also ask this question is like, what's your vibe? Uh, personally, professionally, and if they're the same, I imagine they're the same for you. Um, just tell us a little bit about what you try to create and what the culture is around you. Um, I think I find great comfort and joy in both for myself speaking up in in my writing but mm-hmm. being being in a space or creating a space where people can just be honest so it's like my approach to writing and even teaching writing has always been like in this room can we just talk you know mm-hmm. um now that doesn't take away the pain in fact it gets even heavier a lot of times but it allows like this joy and like comfort to coexist mm-hmm. sort of like oh i'm not alone it's sort of like that feeling of i'm not alone in all this mm-hmm. not just existential dread but my personal struggle third thing yeah so i'm still constantly seeking that you know um sometimes it comes and just like you know sending memes to each other with friends and sometimes it is about like sharing writing with each other and stuff mm-hmm. but it's it still has that um sense of like it really gives me the sense of like i i am not completely alone in whatever struggle it is you know yeah so when i have that i feel like this oh, maybe it's all worth it kind of feeling that comes mm-hmm. with it. And it gives me this great sense of um, joy. I don't know how else to put it. Mm-hmm. It's weird saying that because the grief part does never goes away. It's just, I, no, it gives me it's... a moment where I can experience both. <laughs> well, I think I think we get, we, we expand around grief. Mm-hmm. Like grief doesn't change. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Expand we get, is a good we word. get, yeah. we get big around it, and hopefully, we're able to hold it with everything else. You know, yeah. There's so yeah. much grief. We weren't built for this type of grief. Like humans, I mean, in God's <laughs> whatever flawless design, yeah, we weren't, we weren't built to. Yeah. Like I was listening to something, and it was saying, you know, school age children, um, these days, you know, we had. September 11th, we had, you know, Columbine really rocked us as a school shooting. Mm -hmm. But these students are experiencing big events, like monthly, at the the least, if not more. Um, And so, like, I just, we just weren't built for this this (laughs) level of repetitive grief and loss and violence and chaos. Like, what? So with that, let's talk about journalism, publishing. You have your own, um, you know, publishing of a lot of sorts. And I know there's been lots going on there. And then there was the writer's strike. So 
I mean, what's the T, I guess? Maybe what's the biggest challenge you see right now in there? Because you, okay, so let me let me preface everybody with this. So you wrote your the book before, was this last one the one that you put out for everybody, intellectual property, right? Yeah. You made it yeah, a yeah, Google. Yeah. yeah, you made it accessible to everybody. It was like a Google drive that everybody could access um, yeah. with your book. And so talk a little bit about that decision to do that and then kind of what you've seen in the last year or so of publishing and with the writer strike, like what that's done. Um, so I'll speak on it as a poet, as a publisher, and as like a bookseller and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. the the reason I put out the book, my last book, not just f- as a free download, but free of intellectual, like free of copyright, basically, mm-hmm. um, was as a poet, except a handful you're still having to have a job to support yourself. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was like, um, why do I still need to fight for a few pennies per book I sell? Literally. A, yeah. Um, when a reader has to spend $15, $20, the writer gets a dollar or two from it and everything else in between disappears mm-hmm. to somebody else. Like, you know, Take why it. is this, <laughs> yeah, why is this $18 between me and my reader? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I, if I'm going to invest this much time writing it, I'd rather have people read it than not read it because they don't have the money. That's like legacy work too, you know, like yeah, it, it's always yeah. going to exist available for download yeah Yeah. so that was the main reason um as a publisher it's you know we've always been like very intentional in the writers we do work with um you know it's not always like the person we think is going to sell a lot of books it's just people we respect for various reasons as a writer Mm -hmm. as a person as a person in the community, like just all kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. So that hasn't changed at all. Um, the next phase for us is that we have this building that we were awarded here in Braddock and right outside Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. um, where we we're gonna open a bookstore. So it's just, navigating through what's our purpose what is it that we're trying to achieve uh what does this need to be for this community uh, how do we make this a lasting thing that can be can last outlast us you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's still all the things we're trying to figure out um yeah it's it's bookstores could be such incredible things for a community but it could also be just another shop <laughs> you yeah. know no, no different than a clothing store or anything mm-hmm. so it's like um we need to create put into word put it put it down this is what our goal is this is what we need it to be uh, this is what this neighborhood needs it to be and all those things. Mm-hmm. So we're still working on that. 
Fantastic. That sounds uh, creative and hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Along, <laughs> and you have good people with you, but it just sounds like a heavy lift. But thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, it's fun. I mean, it's fun figuring that out because you feel like a sense of purpose, like that goes beyond you. And then mm -hmm. sometimes as a writer, we get so isolated that it's hard to think beyond us, you know? Yes, I have. The next book is coming. So prepare for that. Um, the next book is coming and I like get to figure out like when that time is. And typically my writing time, my genius hours are like six to 10 in the morning. So it's like, how can I block off this time? You're so a morning I writer. I am. Yeah, I'm I a am. nighttime writer. Yeah. My brain is like, absolutely not. After 8, 8 p.m. <laughs> it's like, no, we're not going to do that. You could talk. You can interact. But right. Mm -mm. No, you're not going to do that after. For me, before midnight, it's like, what are you doing trying to write? It's not even midnight yet. You're just up <laughs> all night writing. You just don't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. So how have you experienced the, you know, your friends who are writing and the writer strike? What has been the biggest takeaway for you from that? Um... It's it's been strange because the way I experience writer's strike is first and foremost as a longtime LA resident. Mm -hmm. And because so much economy is around Hollywood, mm -hmm. um, because so much of their labor is like blue-collar work, is teamsters and you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. So Anytime there's a Hollywood strike, the people who get hit the fastest are the service industry people. Mm -hmm. You know, like bars get empty, people mm -hmm. don't tip, people don't go out to eat. So those people get hit hard first. And I've seen that multiple times. So I always feel the pain for them first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then the writer thing has been just you know, it's almost like uh the streaming stuff turned the writing industry into basically same as the shittiness of the music industry like ai yeah like... where where the artists get nothing and mm -hmm. the labels and the, the you know distributors they get all the money <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you ask Spotify, they've been using that model all along, though. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they've thrown in like audiobooks, mm -hmm. and I don't think writers get any money from those audiobooks on Spotify because they're I just given, so. yeah, they're just given to whoever the subscribers are. I mean, it's like it's something like if you stream a certain amount. You know, I have friends who are artists yeah, yeah. and poets and doing stuff on Spotify, and I obviously have this podcast on on spotify but yeah. like i would have to hit some really ridiculous numbers to monetize yeah. and yeah, um, yeah, yeah it's not what i'm here for but yeah <laughs> yeah so it's like constantly um and then you go okay ah oh, those streaming services they're awful and then you go well spotify is owned by all the labels the major labels so it's like it's just almost like just a front 
<laughs> to screw the artist yeah <laughs> when recently they were like oh okay we ended this or whatever you know and yeah, i just yeah. really think they were just sick of us being on our phones on social media watching the genocide like i think that was where it was like they were like ah we gotta get some more hero movies in here call the troops back in that's probably a bad reference but <laughs> call the people back in call the actors yeah. back in and let's yeah. like make it a thing yeah. um so that people have something else to watch, you know, other than Hallmark Christmas movies and people dying. Um, so it's like, oh, let's let's do some more hero and villain stories where we all get the idea in America that we're the heroes and we're not. Yeah. 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 Existential yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dread. Come on, hang out on these. Um so in terms of creating community, you're in Pittsburgh, um, but you have a vast, vast network of friends and writers all across the globe. How has creating community really shifted for you after COVID and currently? Oh, uh, main thing when we realized we were staying in Pittsburgh for a while was, you know, people constantly asking, are you doing events there yet and stuff like that? And for us, it was like, no. Because you can't just go into a new town and decide that they need you. Right. I mean. You got to talk to somebody and be like, what do you need? Yeah. You have to get to live there. You have to feel like you're part of it. You have to see what's there. You have to contribute. You have to be, um, you know, take part. You have to attend. And then see what can I contribute into this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's a question that we get asked all the time about. Oh, when are you starting to do stuff in Facebook? We've been asked this over the years. We've been here, and it's like we don't know yet when we're gonna start doing things because we we don't feel that we don't feel like we become part of the community enough mm-hmm. to have to to say hey this is what you need <laughs> you know what come I mean? be with us we're the coolest yeah. kids on the yeah. block and so i this. think yeah and in talking to people who do events and stuff um it's often a comp- complex thing for them to understand they're like but we're doing good things it's like i don't care like i don't care if you're doing good you You just want a rental space you just want a space to do your thing and we're trying to be in right relationship with the community Mm -hmm. pardon us yeah yeah so you know finally like you know we go to neighborhood meetings and stuff in the neighborhood we're gonna have the bookstore Mm -hmm. um we go to events get to know them um see what they need Mm -hmm. And see if we could tailor what it is we do to provide all those things, you yeah. know, at least a lot of those things. Um, yeah, because it's, or else you're just extracting, you're not contributing anything. Mm. Yeah, you definitely want to be a value add in those yeah. communities, especially communities that haven't seen you yeah. or are used to having lack, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, you weren't here here yesterday. We don't need you today, <laughs> unless 
You we were struggling you. just yeah. fine. Thanks. Yeah. We don't need you to help us struggle. <laughs> no, for real. Like that's that's a t-shirt, I think. Um, <laughs> that's, that's definitely a t-shirt for like all the nonprofit yeah. <laughs> providers. Yeah. Like mm, you weren't here yesterday. We don't need you today. Yeah. <laughs> so so are you there ghosts it's me chiwan um tell me about this podcast it's so many episodes and i got to listen to a lot because i wanted to tap in and kind of see what some of those stories were and i really enjoy the paranormal so tell us about that i love I it i think for me um my entire life has been filled with ghosts mm-hmm. so it's it's been um both an obsession and like this curiosity and like this thing that i constantly feel like i need to unlock mm-hmm. um so at first it sort of started like as a joke like hey it would be funny to do this but the thing it's allowed me to do, and I think it's allowed my guests to do, is just be a person instead of a writer, you know? Like, yeah. I only interview writers. Like, let's just talk about ghosts. It's <laughs> because, so cool. And, like, yeah. some of the stories, I was like, what? Like, there was one where it's like, a house. If I had to imagine it, it'd be, like, a house in a movie in the middle of nowhere, and like the stories about like the dolls being in like circles, and I was just like, "Yeah, what? Like this is this oh wild." My God. That was Samantha done. I was like, Samantha, you know, you need to stop writing sometimes and watch these horror movies because they would have told you not to move into that house. I mean, we all knew. Like, we <laughs> yeah. if we were with you, we all knew when you got to that. <laughs> door, like, like, what are you doing? Cue <laughs> horror music. Like, you don't yeah. even you know better yeah. than this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's been what's been really sort of like has been had me nodding my head all the time is how much a person's specific culture mm. um informs the paranormal experiences they have mm. so talking to an asian person will be a different thing and talking to a person from like um Trinidad Tobacco, it's a different thing. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the culture, so much of the culture, which means it's our history and it's our mm-hmm. ancestors, all those things that's being that we carry with this, you know? Yes. So that's been really beautiful mm-hmm. and eye-opening for me. That's really profound around the way that culture will show up um in everything. Right. It'll show up in everything. But then those stories and the fact that you're connecting with people, all these different cultures and backgrounds, like you'll get to hear. I mean, those stories are magnificent. If you get a chance, listen to that podcast, um, spend, you know, binge watch it like you binge listen, like you would listen to to whatever. Um, But it is it's so profound to think about that, because if you think about it from a from an African perspective or like um having cultural roots in an enslavement in times of enslavement and descendants of that it's like oh wow this this becomes even deeper 
um, it becomes like, are there messages? Are there voices? Are there downloads? Are there helpful informations and insights that come with that? And I would have to say yes um, for yeah. all of those experiences that I've had. And recently it's just been like, even even with the birds singing a certain way on a certain day or if a, t- a specific type of bird, like I know that's my nephew, right? Like, so it's like mm. having these conversations, it's like, oh my goodness. And then how many how many ways have we been taught to not, embrace our own cultural habits around communicating in the other Mm -hmm. realms Mm -hmm. like we've been told not to do it but there's so much power there yeah 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 yeah. so it's like i i love stories where it's just spooky as hell (laughs) like Mm -hmm. dolls dolls sitting in a circle in your house (laughs) Um, (laughs) where it's just it's straight up it's like straight horror story Mm-hmm. But then I am so moved by countless stories of how the ghosts and the paranormal and hauntings are so related to their relationship or lack of the relationship with their parents and their grandparents, mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that. And it's just, you know, it's it's almost like the ghosts are there because the person needed it to be there Uh yeah Uh and it's always so moving to me it's like oh my father came to me after he passed away and we never had a close relationship and we had this conversation and all this stuff and I go yeah yeah I mean (laughs) moving from that what is next for you around poetry or your next like you're doing horror um, and that is causing you also to have to unpack <laughs> and and do things like that. And obviously getting the space up to being in right relationship with the community. Are there any other projects you're working on right now? Um, yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, obviously, we have like a publishing schedule for upcoming books, upcoming authors and various stages of writing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm personally writing a essay around ghosts, um, and specifically about my ghost maker project that I did in 2015 that I've mm-hmm. never written about. That I've been wanting, I finally feel ready to write about. Uh, um, so that's been kind of daunting emotionally because that was mm-hmm. like a super lonely time and difficult time in my mm-hmm. life. I was talking about it to my therapist this morning. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) there, there, (laughs) your therapist said. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Last couple of weeks have been, it's been a real struggle with dissociating and this Mm -hmm. depression and stuff. So I'm trying to, sort of maneuver through that and with that to get work done and it's a struggle you know yeah um so yeah so but I'm actually interested and excited about how this essay will come out because I know I've been approached to write about it before and I've said no mm-hmm. uh but one time early on it was from a pretty major like 
university-based publication? And I said no, because they had done some shitty, <laughs> they had published some shitty poem <laughs> a few weeks before. <laughs> I was kind of anti-native kind of thing. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, and so I, I'm constantly saying no to things for various reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but I finally felt ready for it because I, I felt, I don't know why I felt ready, but I felt ready. Like something was like, I think it's time I could write a book. I think it's almost like when, because I, you know, there's always projects and and thoughts about what's what's next to write. And um, I think we're more ready to to heal it. You know, I write to heal. Yeah. And when it's like it's ready to be healed um, or to be processed, then it's like time to write about it. And then there's a time for sharing and, you know, and having community and conversations and a, a communal processing of sorts. Mm. Um, but for us as authors, I I imagine that time when we're like in it, you know, um, is like a time when we're like, okay, I'm ready to process this and everything that came with it and let's let's see what comes out of it yeah can I tell you something yeah um because you brought up communal Ghostmaker was a very communal project mm -hmm. but it was a project I wanted to do because I was in such a lonely place it was almost like I how do I create a project that will make me feel less lonely mm-hmm but it was a year-long project, and in the middle, by the middle of it, I felt the loneliness getting worse. You know? Oh my goodness! And I think that's what—that was the big thing I haven't been able to process properly. Yeah. Because going into it, I never—I didn't consider the emotional uh, impact of it fully. Mm -hmm. So coming out of it. I was definitely not ready to process it, you know? Um, so what was that project? Can you give us a little context on that project? Yeah, it was like a year year long project where every, starting in January, every other month, I would do an event where I would present, I would read new pages I wrote of, of my novel in progress. And then after the re each reading, I would destroy the pages, both the physical copies and the digital copies. So by the end of the year, I had finished the book, but there was nothing left. <laughs> You're so like creative and brilliant. I'm just like, what? Like who thinks but, of that? That's so brilliant. It was like two things, three things. One, like I said, was like, uh, how do I do a thing where I could always have people around me so I don't mm -hmm. feel so lonely? Mm -hmm. um, that was like the super selfish reason. Two was recently someone had taken something I written and weaponized it against a friend. Mm. So I was like, I don't want my words weaponized against me, which, you know, top <laughs> yeah, people do. Wow. <laughs> um, and thirdly, I was like, the only way I can make something permanent is to turn them into ghosts. <laughs> mm. Brilliant. So I was like, what if I could turn this book into a ghost? Then you can't so destroy cool. it. You can't destroy it if I turn it into a ghost. 
Those were the but it things. existed. Yeah, it existed, it existed, and then it didn't. So people who were there all know it existed. <laughs> They'll always know it existed. But I didn't calculate for the emotional toll it would take on me, destroying my work. Grief. Yeah, grief. I didn't I calculate the grief of it. It just right. didn't occur to me for some reason. Mm. So much grief. <clears throat> so if you had a couple more questions for you. So if you had like a vision around that, because everybody's experiencing loneliness, loneliness, hardcore. Yeah. Um, everybody's experiencing grief, hardcore, where like I noticed I've slowed down a lot in ways that like I can't be at everything. I can't like even getting up in the morning, like everything takes a little longer, right? And and the movement is slower, but like what is your is your vision? I don't want to say solution because I don't want us to feel like we have to be responsible for creating solutions to problems we didn't create. Um yeah. but like what's what's your vision, what's your North Star, what's your moral imperative? around these times man easy question huh the easiest <laughs> of them all that's why i saved it kind of man for the last. i it sounds super hokey in many ways but mm -hmm. whenever i talk to people in my life like my friends especially like before we get into conversation, I try to just let the, I try to remember to say, I love you before we talk about anything else, because mm -hmm. I don't know what happens after it. <laughs> it's like, I there's just no promises. Know, yeah. I just need this person to know that they mean something to me in my life, you know, yeah. Um, before we talk about work, before anything, like, because we got sometimes, you know, and we're in this place too, a lot, trying to open this bookstore, all this stuff where beginning to end is just about production and work and stuff that we forget. Like I, I lose myself and it's not helping that I'm already dealing with dissociation and stuff. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't know where I am anymore. It's like, it's a weird. So I almost like it's almost like I'm trying to anchor myself in in my friends by saying I love you so I could just like <laughs> so yeah I, I think it's like definitely a, a grounding thing yeah, yeah, yeah for like sure a tether for me yeah mm -hmm. yeah um and then go from there see see what comes from that um even in writing even in working with classes it's like hey let's just appreciate each other for a bit because Writing a great poem is not going to do shit for the world. <laughs> Writing one great poem is not going to do shit for the world. If Scott might beg that, to differ, though. Scott might beg to differ. Scott, he might, but I deep down he does. That dude is full of love. He that dude is full of love. Indeed, for people. Yes, know? for community, yeah. for people, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like I want you to do great work. I don't want you to burn everything to create one one piece yes. of work. Yes. Yeah. And so lead with love is yeah. what I'm hearing. Because ultimately, uh, ultimately, this community will help you make even greater work. It's like, I don't want you to feel like I did 
trying to do Ghostmaker where I was getting lonelier and lonelier and just breaking down emotionally where I couldn't create work anymore for a while because I was like so beaten down and broken, you know? Mm. That's so deep. And the fact that so many artists aren't able to do it full time, but there's so much that goes with that writing. Like it's part of you on that page. It's part of you in the work and we have to live to be able to create work that resonates with the lived experience, you know? Yeah. 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 Daunting. (laughs) Freaking daunting. Daunting. Well, we made choices, I guess. Um, (laughs) Choices were made. (laughs) Choices were made. Apparently a soul contract of some sort was signed before I got here. (laughs) And I have to honor that. Um, (laughs) So this next part is what I like to call the situational hot seat. And Mm. this is where you either give me a situation that has happened to you. Um, You don't tell me exactly what you did until after I tell you what I would do. Uh, then we talk about what you did, what you think about what you did, if you would do it again. Um, and then and then we'll close out with all the links and all the things like that. But we just talk about a scenario. It could also be a made up one because you're very like uh, imaginative, you know, so it could also be a made up one. Like, what would you do in this case? Um, so have fun with that. Um, and then we'll 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 discuss and process the situation that you present oh, together. Man, what would this this doesn't have to be like an a as a writer, right? It could be like as a person. Uh I hope so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what would you do question? Yeah. All right. What would you do? If someone asked you to someone you don't not just not like, but you just have oppositional beliefs, right? Asked you to write something for payment, right? Mm-hmm. Your rent is due, your utilities mm-hmm. are due, credit cards due. Um, would you take that job? Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, and part two of that question is how much would you drink? <laughs> <laughs> well. I think I wouldn't drink until they paid me. Um, I think at different times in my life, I would have done different things. Mm. I um, have a lot of like handy transferable skills. Mm. And to me, I would rather take a temp job, uh, bag some groceries. I love, I actually have a, deep desire to bag groceries as a job if everything ever failed I knew I would like go and bag groceries um I am not above any work but when my when it comes to my point of loss and my integrity uh 
like my moral imperative is to honor the dignity and every of every human life and to sit in the brilliance of my own radiance because that's an invitation for others to do so yeah now i can pretty easily say i would not do that Mm. um but it would depend on what was being asked of me to write but like if it's not like a heart yes if that was my like only way of making money i'm sure i would grapple in different ways yeah i am just not at the point where i've ever felt like i have to like there's always something else to me there's always something else i can do where i can be in my integrity and i can be proud of it and proud of my work it would depend on the article um you know i i think it's it's really complicated around that because everyone has a different point of loss. I have this whole yeah. theory. I got it freaking copyrighted and trademarked like around point of loss and around dissociation and other adaptive strategies that we use to self-soothe. Um, but the notion is that we will subconsciously to some degree dissociate or avoid or comply or fight against until we are aware that this is the breaking point for me. Like, I can't, yeah. I can't do that. Like, I can't, like, I'd rather starve. I'd rather uh, not pay my rent. I'd rather find another way than, than do this person with this person or be associated with this press in this case or um, publisher. And so, I mean, I'd like to say that I always would have said no, but I do know that there are times in my life when um, it's really hard to see outside of your need to survive. Yeah. Um, and at some point, I'm sure. And I mean, there's so much coming out now. So it's like there are some times when I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I was associated with this person, place or thing um, at that time, because now we're seeing a lot of really yeah, yeah, true yeah. colors, you know. And I'm like, I wish I could take that back. Um, but <laughs> I, I I think that's, you know, that may be a family decision for some people. Um, and my my grandmother always used to say before she passed away, like, I never want to lose my mind. And like I can deal with the physical pain or whatever. And she passed away from lung cancer. But it was like, I just never want to lose my mind or my wits about me. And in that case, it's just, I've never really been a, like I, I, I do the day job thing and I'm, I'm really, really good at it. But around integrity and my own intellectual property and my work, it's almost like I can't see it, but I'm trying to connect with the part of me that can see yes. Because yeah. I don't really have judgment for that. You know, I have no questions about anybody else making that decision for themselves. It's just like, for me, I'm like, well, let's get to Ubering. Let's get to, let me, let me go on and, and do this Uber Eats or something. Cause yeah. I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. 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 And it would be a shit piece too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or I would be hella sarcastic. Yeah. Like. Like, I'm going to write this. I'm going to send it to you. Basically, in between every line, fuck off. Right? And then 
they'd probably be like, we can't use this. And then I'd be like, oh, back to zero again. And I, you know, so yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a really good question. And I think we're all, I think what this conflict has really done is put us all in this place where we're really facing what we will do, what we will give up, how we share our platform resources and influence. Um, and it's revealing a lot about our current relationships, the the places we go, the people that we are clients and customers to. Um, it's it's a thing. And so you know, people are like, oh, people ask, what would you have done, you know, in, in Nazi Germany or what would you have done in, in enslavement, you know? Like, mm, here it is. Yeah. It's like, here what it are is. you doing in 2023? I mean, why ask those questions? Like, ask that question. <laughs> For real. So I don't, I don't know if I could, if I could do that. And then, but I mean, it's, it's interesting because there's so many, like, there's so many avenues to, to self-publishing and blogging and doing those type of things. So, but I mean, you said rent and I'm like, is there a family too? If there's a family too, yeah, I might be more likely to, to swallow my pride for that. Yeah. I mean, when you said like, it might be a family decision, that's like, oh yeah. I mean, it's like, because I think the, the problem is we're so teachers and even our heroes are constantly telling us about our artistic integrity, mm -hmm. selling out in relation to artistic integrity, but mm -hmm. they don't talk to us as much about moral integrity. You know, that's, that should be a leader to me. Yeah. Like if, if I can't, yeah. if I can't align, I don't have to agree with everything, but yeah. if I can't align with your values, with your belief system, with the way that you move and the way that you curate, don't exploit um, art. I I don't understand why we're like talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense. And I mean, now now trust me, I got a late in life diagnosis last year of autism and ADHD, and so there's this strong, strong sense of fairness and, and justice. And so if I felt like that was ever in question, I would probably not go, not having, you know, mm -hmm. to, to honor that sense of fairness and justice within me. It's, it's really yeah, yeah. Uh, pervasive for yeah. me. Yeah. This was really light. I appreciate um <laughs> Your energy. Can you tell me in what ways are you experiencing joy? Are you experiencing any joy? Oh my it's okay God. if you're not. Yeah. Tell me, I've been, are I've you? been watching these two uh, ghost hunting shows, paranormal shows okay. called Haunted Ireland and Haunted Scotland. And <laughs> both of them, every chance they get, they're like, this castle was blah, 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 where he's fucking rich Brits used to live and everybody in town hated them because they were awful. <laughs> like, I love this so much. <laughs> Every chance they get it, like, 
oh, this British, rich British person who died of a heart attack here is stuck here because everybody hated him because he was awful. <laughs> no, no light workers <laughs> tried to get you over to the other side. They just left yeah. your ass in that castle. I'm like, this is hilarious. <laughs> I just crack up the whole time. <laughs> okay, so a show, stay uh, with me here, a show uh, that is called Schadenfreude. And it's all stories of people where they're like ghosts are locked in somewhere where they were assholes and basically were just like, stay there, colonizer. Um, no? Okay, cool. I was like, you're going to do that show? You should do that show. <laughs> Schadenfreude. Americans can't pronounce that word. <laughs> but we sure can, uh, you know, do... <laughs> Chachevsky, oh we got that. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, what are you doing for fun these days? Anything? What am I doing for fun? I am doing a lot of improv comedy. So I am. I've done improv comedy in the past, and now I have an element of it in the shows where I will, at the end, take all of the comedic um, material and make a spoken word poem, like an improv spoken word poem. At what? The end. <laughs> so fun. I look forward to it. Everybody's so goofy and um, but they're like socially and culturally responsive um yeah. goofy. So like the jokes are funny and like the jokes are like responsible. And so I'm like, okay, I can be here. And so the Illuminati and Black Friday are my two improv troops that I I play with. And I really haven't done as much poetry reading and sharing I do that kind of the community good at like you know events and stuff like that but um right now I've kind of taken a pause from everything performance wise so I can curate this book um but that improv comedy it really it really keeps me keeps me hopeful like I know mm -hmm. I have like one show a month I know we have rehearsals mm -hmm. and those are so fun and when I walk in there, like, they don't care if if you're a big deal or not. They're like, are you funny? You know? And so I just love that space where I don't have to be, you know, a corporate DEI executive or, um, you know, a community leader. I just go in there and I get to show my ass. And I love it. I love it so much. And there's like, we do songs and I get to like make up hooks on the spot. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I've been doing and um you know, really resting, <laughs> like resting is really joyful. I wake up next to my wife and my cat will sleep like on my back. And uh -huh. so I'm in this sandwich and then I'm like, I don't want to get up. Who would want to get up? <laughs> this right? is great. And then yeah. I just like turn off my alarm and I'm like, you know what? The gym doesn't have to happen today. Um yeah. so I'm trying to find the moments where I'm just, you know, either in gratitude and there's been a lot of community experiences with the healers where it's been, I just went to, um, let's see, it's called Interlude. It's actually on Spotify. Renee Dion and uh, Monique McChrystal did like a meditative music experience. And like that was at the Columbus Museum of Art. Um, I volunteer for Creative Mornings Columbus, and we have those every third Friday. And Dr. Mark Lomax was talking about rhythm and how our rhythms off as a community. 
And like, it was like, the through line was like brilliant. Um, but like those type of events and community events really keep me going. Um, but those are few and far in between. I probably, like I travel a lot, which is nice. Um, Florida's not that great in general right now, but I do travel a lot there and my my headquarters are there for work. So, um, you know, I, I've always had a morbid sense of humor. My family is like jokesters. Like if I talk to my ancestors right now, like on my altar, there's like uh, Old Forester and I was putting water on there and they were like, what's that Kool-Aid stuff you got? So like I have this right here and that's great Kool-Aid. I have these like great Kool-Aid meals. And they were like, don't come back in here with no water without no Kool-Aid in it. You know what I'm saying? So like my ancestors are hilarious. And, you know, so it's it's um it's it's an interesting time, but just trying to find the moments where I'm like, it's worth it. And it may not be worth it. Like we all may be blown to smith the marines. I don't know. Um, but it's just one of those things where uh just trying to find those moments and be present in those yeah. moments dissociating is is one of my favorite strategies as well and so um trying to stay present and and show up for my own life and also in the back of my brain all the time it's like people are dying people are dying and you know so it's like that that constant um teeter-totter or I think of the the playground you know where they have the the seesaw and it's just a constant on onslaught of like is this funny is this only funny to a few people that understand that like you know my moral imperative is is good <laughs> okay don't don't tell that joke outside okay uh so it's like that you know just figuring it out but i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to laugh i'm gonna always i'm in the chair i'm to church giggles i'm that person you know what i mean where i'm like uh, like i'm that person yeah. Yeah. so just trying to find a joy and and trying to regulate my nervous system on and off all day that's it. Love you. <laughs> Thank you for having me, talking to me. Oh, I love you so much. Um, yeah, you're just one of my favorite people. And so thank you for coming on here and spending time with me. I hope even from Columbus to Pittsburgh, you can feel some energy and know that you are so loved and affirmed and you are not alone, my Thank friend. Thank you. Thank you so much.